people are always asking. In 2017, I did 43 deals, and I didn't get the internet in my house till August, and it was five gig. I think is what the speed was. People always say like, oh my gosh, how did you do 43 deals? You didn't have the internet. You didn't have this. and You didn't have that. I said, that's exactly why I got 43 deals. Gotcha. I don't know how all these people do 43 deals with all of these distractions. Yep. Yep. And in every deal, right? Every tool, everything you do should all result or lead to you having a great conversation with somebody one-on-one to figure out what their problem is and how you can solve it. Helping hardworking real estate investors, agents, and entrepreneurs grow a better business mindset and future. This is the Carrot Cast Podcast. Now here's your host, Trevor Mock. What's up, y'all? Trevor coming back at you with another episode of the Carrot Cast. And this is a first. So uh, right before I hit record in this, we, uh, myself and our guests today, returning guests, shoot, you guys have been on this probably three or four times, but I've got Mr. Uh, Brent Moreno, Adam Johnson on. So I'll introduce you guys to them if you don't know them yet, but we're also streaming this on IG uh, at the same time. We'll see how that goes. But um Guys, it's it's amazing having you back on the Carrot Cast. Uh, like I said, I don't know how many times you guys have ho- uh, hopped on and done whether it's the Carrot Cast or or summits or uh, been to Carrot Camp. And uh, I'm pumped to have you guys back on, and we can talk shop for a little while. And uh, there's a bunch of different topics I'm excited to chat with you about. But uh, welcome back on the Carrot Cast. Happy to be here, man. Always a pleasure. So we'll we'll link up one of the past episodes uh, or probably the earlier episode that we did with you guys in the show notes. So we're not going to dive into your guys' full stories. Uh, they can go back into the other episode and check out your full stories. But give the Cliff Notes version of kind of who you guys are first. And then we've got a whole, a whole array of topics that we want to talk about on real estate. I want to talk about what you guys see in the market coming ahead in 2021. I think it's going to be a zoo. Um, it's going to be a great opportunity, but I think it's going to be a zoo. Uh, there's, we're going to talk about some of the things that you guys were saying, like going back to the fundamentals and what are those fundamentals for people that are in real estate right now that'll help them succeed. We've got a book coming out. We've got software coming out, all kinds of cool things to talk about, but uh, cliff notes version of who are you guys and where you guys live? What's business look like? Yeah. So for those who don't know, my name is Brent Marino. Uh, this is my partner, Adam Johnson. We both, well, I live in Hattiesburg. He lives in Summerall, but might as well say it's Hattiesburg, but which is down in Mississippi. Um, fortunately, we haven't had any of the storms that have been coming through, so that's all good. But uh, so yeah, we're real estate investors here. We do a little bit of wholesaling, fix and flipping. We do some buy and holds, creative strategies, you name it. I mean, we 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 do it, and a lot of it has to. A lot of what I've learned has has come from not only just Adam, but Adam's dad as well. But uh, you want to add anything to that? I mean, it's. It's been wild. Um, October 11th will be 18 years since I did my first deal. Mm. And I mean, I grew up around this. My dad's been doing it for 40 something years. And in 2017, Brent introduced me to this cool new tool called the internet. And it has been just the wildest, funnest, most fulfilling ride. Mm. And we're not even to the, and we just got to carry lead. Dude, <laughs> <laughs> it just popped it. up on Brett's phone. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it is, it's just been incredible. And it, it was one of those things like I helped Brent a lot because selfishly, I wanted somebody, I wanted a friend, I wanted a real estate friend. Yep. Um, and he can tell you, I mean, like, you'll hear the story about how that process went in other podcasts. But when, when he learned it and he did it, and then you know, within a short period of time, he was making good money. He got to leave his job he'd been at for a decade. Mm-hmm. He came to me and he said, "Hey, listen, I'm not the only one around here that needs to know this stuff. So I'm going to put something together where we're going to show this to everybody." Yep. And it has just been incredible. 
No, I was going to say, I think this makes like three for three on our podcast. Every time we jump on, I feel like we get a lead. You got somebody in your office that's doing that? <laughs> Dude, I, I do. I, I slack someone on my team like, all right, Adam and Brent are on again. Someone go opt into their website so they get it. <laughs> it, it is funny because, yeah, the, the last time we were on too, it's like right when we started, you guys you guys got the text message no, uh, lead notification. And if, if you guys are listening to, to this uh one feature that we have that a lot of people don't realize it because some of the websites, you just don't have the text message notifications turned on, but you get notifications by text message with all your leads. Uh, some of your leads, you probably don't want that. Like if you're running a bunch of Facebook traffic or if you're running uh, like for buyers, especially for agents, uh, oftentimes you don't want all those buyer leads to ping your cell phone. They'll just go to your CRM or whatever. But the sellers, man, have those sellers hit your phone, tap the phone number on there, call them immediately before they have a chance to balance back and go to someone else's website or whatever. But I love it, dude. Um, one thing there's a couple of topics I want, I want to dig into. Like I said, I, I do want to talk about, um, what you guys are doing as far as expanding the way that you're serving real estate investors right now with deal bell, uh, with the book coming out, which I'm going to be a part of, which I'm excited about. Um, also, uh, you guys, you guys talked about one of the big uh, Facebook lives that you did last night on your, on your group. You have a huge Facebook group, <clears throat> which uh, helps a lot of real estate investors and there's agent investors in there as well. And, and you talked about the, the fundamentals. You talked about, man, um, I, I, I routinely have to talk, you know, remind people to go back to these fundamentals that work and work and people want to overcomplicate it. Uh, what, let's, let's spend a little bit of time on that, guys. So especially in the market to win right now, what are those fundamentals that you guys keep on driving people back to where they're trying to overcomplicate it and you're like, if you do these things, this will get you deals closed in this market. What are some of those, those things? I, well, I can tell you from firsthand experience, uh, you know, I had a good paying job. Got started in this business, learned a lot in the first three months and took action on just the simple things that Adam was telling me to do, which was like, go drive for dollars, write down the addresses, call these owners, you know, so on and so forth. As I started making more money in my business doing those things, you know, there's all these other people and all these other technology, all these other things that you, you know, are constantly being put in your face uh, because, you know, targeting it works really well on Facebook, YouTube, and all that stuff. But all these shiny objects get put in front of you. And you think you need this system and you need this software and you need this, you know, service and this person doing this and this and that. And really, what we found is that most of the people we talk to that, that come into to our mentorship program, there's somewhere between, man, if I can make ten to twenty thousand dollars a month, that would completely change my life. That's mm. most that's most people, right? Yep. So we focus on figuring out what their why is and what their goal is, and then help them structure a plan based on those that why and that and those goals. If your goal is to make, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, that's that's fine. You can we'll obviously give you the, the foundation to get started and 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 build that, you know. Uh, real estate empire that you want. And I can't wait to come see your housewarming party. Right. <laughs> and that's and for us, we've had to ask ourselves that question as well. Like how big do we want to get? How big do we want to be? Uh, when we really boil it all down, it's like we cut out a lot of fat. I cut out a lot of fat. I wasted a lot of money on services that I never even touched because mm -hmm. I just thought I needed it, but never had the time to learn it because I was balancing a job and investing and doing all these things. And really, if it, like I said, it comes back to just that really strong foundation of keeping things simple. One of our mentorship students said it best the other night that it's so simple, it's hard. Mm. And it goes back to what Jim Rohn always says. If it's easy to do, it's also easy not to do. Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I firmly believe that a lot of people just lose touch on like just keeping things simple. Go get 25 driving per dollar leads a week. Write down the addresses. Contact those people. Anybody you can't get in touch with, send them a letter. And then go get 25 more the next week. Do it over and over and over. If you're as long as you're consistent with it, you're going to get a deal guaranteed in the first 100 leads if you work it correctly. Dude, one one thing you talked about there a second ago was simplifying. So on the drive in today, I recorded one of my podcasts, um, and there, there's another entrepreneur. He's gonna be out here for Carrot Camp. Tyler Austin. He's a an entrepreneur. He's a, a, a real estate investor. He started a software company. If you guys don't know him, you should connect with him because you guys are on similar paths right now. Um, but he replied back to an IG message that I did where I showed how I do my podcasts, and he's like, "I." The, it was the uh, the mind blown you know, emoji. 
And cause he was trying to overcomplicate it. He's like, well, I need this big studio and all this fancy equipment. And you guys have seen it. We have a studio over there, all the fancy equipment. And my podcasts are either done on my computer cause it's simple and it's easy to do, or it's on my cell phone. And, um, that episode I did today was on the way you scale in businesses by subtracting, not by adding it's by taking away things from your business, not by adding things to your business. And it's simplifying, not complicating. And so what you had talked about there a second ago, Brent, uh, one of the ways to simplify it is not a million systems. It's in that case, one of the things is go get 25 of these leads a week, do this and do this and just keep doing it until it works. Uh, what else, what are some of those other things that you guys guide people to do that are just consistent, boring actions that work when you do them? I mean, for, I'm just not even for our students. I'm going to give you mine. Um, so this has been in the last three weeks. Um, and I know we were talking a second ago before we hit record. One of the things we were talking about is we're trying to get a lot more intentional um, about doing fewer things that are more important. Mm. Like fewer things altogether, more important on those things. And it's really funny because I, I had made the comment. I said, I just want to go back to the living room, mm. right? Like I, I need to get back in the living room. I've been managing this and managing that. And, uh, and like the energy thing that, that we've discussed earlier, right? Yeah. Taking energy inventory, what's giving it, what's taking it away. And I realized that like I get energy by stepping in somebody's living room. Like that's when I can work a 12, 14 hour day and come home and just be wide awake all night. Mm. Yep. And so I made that decision to go back to everything that we have ever done started by having good conversations with people who needed help. Mm -hmm. And so we went back to that and within three days, we had two sub two contracts that I got just out of the blue. Uh, one of them was Garrett Lee, by the way. Um, and then uh, one of our AEMs got a deal. And that was Garrett Lee. That was a Garrett Lee as well. <laughs> and then we're making some actual pretty big changes that I think are going to be simplify to grow mm-hmm. um, with one of our other AEMs at the first of the year. And it's just, it, it was almost, it was, it was crazy how quick the results were like yep. almost scary fast where you almost get nervous. That's too, it's not supposed to work that fast. Mm. Um, but that's what it is. It's, that's the basics. That's the fundamentals that, that everything needs to be built on. Dude. So, so you mentioned you're getting back in the living room. That's where you, where you get energy off uh, before that, where were you spending time? So I, back in the start, early days, in front even of my computer. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess I want to walk people through that because because when you're starting, you're in the living room, you're jamming on stuff, and then eventually you start to grow, and then you realize you've got to you've got to do something, create systems, add people, or whatever. And then oftentimes with real estate investors or agents or any entrepreneur, but we'll, we'll focus on investors and agents here. <clears throat> oftentimes we might have that vision of well, you know, what I should be doing if I grow this company is not going to the living room. That's what you know acquisition managers are for. Um, and so therefore I must need to go do this other stuff. That's not that, but the energy audit, like we talked about is so important because what if you could just structure the business around what you actually like, whether it's quote unquote below my pay grade or not, right? If you actually enjoy it and everything else in the business is getting done and the business is providing what you want it to do, just do the crap you like to do. Um, so what, what were you doing in front of your computer for that period of time? Um, before you got back in, in living room in front of clients. Distractions. <laughs> uh, um, all the, the slacks and the emails and the fires that just, I mean, pop up in every business every day. Um, just all the typical things that just creep in if you let them. Yep. And, and it was one of those things. It was almost like I looked around and I was like, Oh my gosh, I just realized that I'm a frog. I'm in the pot and the water is really, really steamy. You know, it was just at that point, I, I just, I, I kind of woke up to it and Katie's surgery helped a lot, right? Like I had yep. to make some drastic changes to be home a lot more, but I, it was just all the, the distractions that I shouldn't have been doing. Mm. Um, 
and, and even some of that taking on responsibilities where I should have been a better manager and leader yep. and, and trained instead of taught. Um, mm. And so I, I think for me, like I just, I got out of the habit and at the end of the day for me, that's the part I love. But I think we said it best the other day. People are always asking. In 2017, I did 43 deals, and I didn't get the internet in my house till August, and it was five gig. I think is what the speed was. <laughs> um, so people always say, like, "Oh my gosh, how did you do 43 deals? You didn't have the internet, and you didn't have this, and you didn't have that." I said, "That's exactly why I got 43 deals." Gotcha. Mm-hmm. I don't know how all these people do 43 deals with all of these distractions. Yep. Yep. And in every deal, right? Every tool, everything you do should all result or lead to you having a great conversation with somebody one-on-one to figure out what their problem is and how you can solve it. That's Mm. it. I love it, dude. So, so you were in the computer for a period of time, kind of running the, the daily, you know, mechanics of the business. You were a cog in the wheel there. What, what did you do you know, over the last couple of months to, to start to step back into what gives you energy and out of that stuff that drains your energy? What, what were those steps you did? So I'm going to do this because I'm, I'm, I always want to be totally honest and vulnerable when I'm yeah. around you. So I know I can do better. <laughs> um, it was, it was a redirect was 90% of it. Um, and it was so simple. So like when somebody would ask me, hey, what, uh, what do you think about this? Instead of responding with a text message or a phone call or anything else, I would say, hey, that's a great question for our Tuesday night Q&A. Mm. Hey, that's a great question for our Wednesday night mentorship call. Mm. Or, hey, you know, whatever, go watch this video. Um, that was a big one. Mm-hmm. And then for a lot of everybody around me, I start asking them the question when they say, Hey, what do I need to do? I said, what were you told us to do? Yep. Yep. Right. And it just, it, it's crazy how four or five times of that. And they say, well, I don't even know why I need to ask him because he's just going to ask me. And then I'm going to go figure out what I'm supposed to do because I know I need to get it right. So I'm really going to do it. Yep. And I don't even know why I ask him anymore. And then I say, wow, that, this is really cool. Dude, it, it's so fast. It, it's it's so funny, man. So I've got three young kids, you know, and and this morning before I headed in, I helped help them get breakfast going. And oftentimes you have to ask, are they training me or am I training them? Right. And so with with the things that you had brought up there, and it happens to me too, and I'm very guilty of it. And I'll catch myself after doing it for a while, whether it's my kids or team members or customers, as I go, oh man that my team member trained me to answer back quickly on everything because I answer back to everything really fast. They expect it now. And now they've kind of driven that training process. And you realize you're the one that's been fetching the ball, not throwing it. hundred percent. Same yeah. thing with the kids, right? Like uh, I was getting cream cheese on a bagel for one of my kids, my youngest one, cause she hasn't figured out how to do with that, like tearing her bagel apart. And so then my eight-year-old boy, he's like, dad, I can't do this. And, you know, normally I would just like pick it up and do the thing for him. But I'm like, dude, you can put cream cheese on a bagel. So like, here's the knife, here's the thing, you've got your bagel and the toaster's over there. So hop on over there, toast your thing, pull it out. And then watch me as I'm doing it to to Sydney's. And then here's the stuff and go do it. He didn't want to do it at first because he was used to just me putting the cream cheese on his bagel. And, um, after that he did it and now he's probably never going to ask me again to put cream cheese on his bagel because he knows he can do it. And he knows I'm just going to give him the knife back and say, dude, you got it. Just go ahead and do this. And so that that's so important, man. I'm glad you brought that up because especially as you're growing a team, um, or a family or whatever it is, uh, we, we think we're serving them by giving them the answer in actuality, we're cutting them off at the knees to where they can't go out there and do their best. And so I'm, I'm so pumped that you made that jump. Let me ask you just a quick question. You made that reference to the kids. Do you find that when you teach the, the older one that they you, you walk out of the room one day and walk back in and they're teaching it to the next one? Mm. Yeah, to- totally. I mean, uh, especially McKinley, our oldest, she's 10 now. And so then she'll try to teach. The, 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 the difference is my youngest just will not listen to anybody else because she already knows how to do everything. 
you know, it's like, she clearly knows how to do everything. And she already tells us, I know, I know, I know. So <laughs> if uh, like our, our oldest will try, and I think now she's starting to learn that, well, if I try to teach her, she's going to say she already knows it anyway. So I'm going to stop. But um, I, I do find that a lot with our team members, of course, right? Uh, we, we read this book um, as a company a few months ago, and I read it probably four or five years ago called Turn the Ship Around. And I can't remember the author. He's like a Navy admiral or something like that, where he led a, a, a submarine. And it's such an amazing book to read with your team, uh, not just solo, but read it with your team and have a discussion each week mm-hmm. on it. And with Turn the Ship Around, there's so many good concepts in there, but one of the reasons that the ship that he took over, which was like the lowest rated ship in the whole fleet in the Pacific, it was the worst, had the highest turnover. It was late for everything, all kinds of stuff, right? He turned it into the best within a year or 18 months. And it was mainly the stuff we're talking about there. It was people would have to pass everything up a chain of command, usually two or three different things. Sometimes they would get lost because there was a chain of command glut where so much crap was getting passed to that person that they then couldn't get back to everybody. Um, and they changed it with a couple things. They started training people better, like you'd mentioned, not teaching, but training. Um, but then they said, uh, very similar to what, what you had mentioned with your team member coming back and saying, well, I'm just not going to bring it back to him unless I research it. He would say, don't come to me and ask me for uh, how to do something or don't come to me even with choices. Don't say, hey, I researched this and here's two things. What would you do? He said, come to me and say, I intend to do X. He said, just that simple shift of I intend to versus what do you think uh, puts the onus on that person to go, oh, shoot, I actually have to really put in more work and more research to because I'm committing to this thing that's saying I'm intending to do this. It's not just uh, I'm going to do some light work and I'm going to go to this person now and have them do the heavy work and making the decision. No, I've got to research enough to show my competency because I intend to do this. Then us as a leader, you know, what we do then is when someone brings an I intend to to us, you can either say, awesome, thumbs up, go ahead and go do it. And now it's going to give them more and more confidence to make those decisions without bringing them to you. Or on the other side, you might be wondering, hey, well, did they look at this? What about this thing? And then you ask them questions. Awesome. It looks good on first glance. Did you look at these two things? Yep, I looked at that and this and that. Okay, cool. You're going to go. Thumbs up. Or no, I didn't. Okay, awesome. Go look at that and then and then bring it back. Um, do the I intend to things big. It's huge. Huge. That's really big. Dude, so I, I wanna I wanna shift a little bit into um some of the lead gen stuff because you guys on this call mentioned got a carrot lead. You mentioned these deals you guys have done that came from carrot. And there might be people, of course, that are wondering how do I scale it up or how do I get my first results with carrot or I'm already crushing it, how do I add more? Um, there's something you guys have posted a good bit inside of the group, instead of, inside of the real estate roundup group on Facebook about that question that you put in there on the seller form. Dive into this question that pretty immediately brings the offer or the asking price down from the seller, like by thousands, if not tens of thousands, sometimes what'd you guys do to your care site? So, yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple, right? You go to, go to the step two inside of your, what is it? Settings there. And inside the form settings, go and just, I just literally was like some of the questions that I wanted to ask and one negotiation tactic that works really well, even in the living room is they repeatedly ask the same question because mm-hmm. people want to give you the right answer. Uh, so if it's not the right answer that you want, ask them again. We do this all the time with people like what's two plus two, everybody automatically goes like they are four. Like, no, what's two plus two. And they immediately kind of go like, start second like i'm pretty sure it's four like they start getting that little everybody wants to be right so that that thought process just kind of happened to where it's like hey you know what's your asking price that's pretty simple for most people like what are you looking to get out of this property and then i, I just reword it as immediately right after it they've already answered it how most of answer forms they don't even look at the next questions so you know they go to the next and they go to the next question it literally says what would you take? What's the lowest you would take if we pay all closing costs and uh, take care of the taxes and fees and you know other things? Mm-hmm. And it literally, everyone that answers it, at least, I don't think I've seen anyone that's come down less than $5,000. Yep. I mean, we've had $30,000 reduction. We've had all kinds of crazy reductions off of it. Matter of fact, the one that came through yesterday that our, our acquisitions manager locked up, it was, I think it started at 35 and then she went down to 20, 20, I think it was 24 or something like that. 
was the lowest, and then he got locked up for eighteen. Oh, he got it at eighteen. Mm. Yeah. Dude, that, that that's that's it, so it big. Is crazy. I would have never guessed it would have worked that fast. Because mm-hmm. um, I mean, we used to do it in the living room, like, hey, you know, what are you hoping to get? Okay, what do you what do you kind of expect to walk away with? Differentiate them along the way. And then we say, hey, listen, at the end of the day, what do you really have to have for mm. your fresh start? And he puts it in back-to-back questions and gets bigger discounts than I ever thought. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it because it's, it's a simple thing. Uh, I remember years and years ago when we were dialing in our cash buyer sites at Carrot, I was toying with the, the step two. And uh, that was when we eliminated our private lender sites. This is like 2014, you know, way at the, at the beginning. We eliminated those pretty early just because of the SEC stuff. And, and unless you were really careful uh, with having your attorney review or actual private lender site, which most people wouldn't, um, you know, you can get in trouble. So we eliminated our private lender sites. And we said, well, how do we make our cash buyer site turn into private lenders? And we did something similar on, on the step two form. We added in a question after we asked, you know, after we asked kind of what, uh, what type of money do you have? Uh, where's the money coming from? Then we would ask a question of, are you willing to lend uh, your cash to other investors for great returns? Yes or no? Just a simple one after we already talked about the money, uh, the money thing. And usually about 15 to 20% of your cash buyers would select the yes thing, which then elicits, okay, cool. I can now go connect with them and, and build a relationship with them. And I'm turning my cash buyers into into. Uh, lenders. The same thing over there, guys. Like, look at your step two forms on Carrot. How can you get creative with adding some more things in there? Because a lot of people don't know that you can even switch those up, change the questions, uh, adjust them, move them around, add a you know multi-select question or whatever. So that was smart, dude. I was so pumped to see it and see people in the real estate roundup group making those adjustments on theirs. And there was somebody that posted one through after that. Like this person discounted 15 grand right away. Um, which is amazing because now that's your new point to start from, not the the higher number, which is really cool. I love it. Right. And the big thing, one of the big things that I, I picked up on um and over the last few mentorship calls that we've done is that it, it seems like the hardest thing, like the hardest crucial thing that a newbie needs to pick up is the ability to, to read urgency, mm. right? It's not necessarily the numbers. It's not the situation. It's not what they tell you. It's do they have urgency and can you sense it? Yep. Um, that's difficult for a lot of people to pick up on without some practice. Mm. And that one question automatically tells you how motivated this person is, mm. right? Because if they come down a thousand or two, hey, guess what? They may not be motivated. It's worth calling them for sure. But the person that comes off, hey, we want 32, well, we'll take 24 in three seconds. Mm-hmm. Like they, there's motivation there. And that's one of the biggest indicators that's hard to get in the beginning mm-hmm. if you don't know what you're doing. So for newbies, that question on a carrot site. Lambda. Yep. Guys, go go add that question. So if you guys are wondering how, go to the, the help center, look up how to edit your forms and go to that step two form for your seller leads. And then just go literally drag over um, an, an open-ended box. I don't even know what, I don't know what it's called, but a text box or whatever, drag it over, type in those words. <clears throat> if we were to pay all cash, if we were to pay all cash, all closing costs and da, 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 <clears throat> what would you accept? That's pretty much that. That's it. We'll, we'll add the actual text in the show notes. And if you guys are uh, looking at this in the YouTube version or the version on our website, maybe we'll see if we can grab a screenshot of it and put it in there and I'll reference your guys' Facebook group on it too, which would be fun. Um, you guys, I want to shift topics a little bit. So I'm, I'm going into, <clears throat> I'm going into a series, uh, to finish out the year. That's going to be really diving into, um, what, what I feel is, is a shift that's coming ahead. Yeah. You know, I've been talking about it for years. I thought it was going to happen this year. Um, but things were propping up pretty darn good going into this year. And like some, in some markets, the best ever for retail sales, which is crazy. Uh, things are flying off the market in so, so many markets right now, insanely low interest rates. Um, you've got a lot of the stuff being held back from the mor- moratoriums during COVID evictions in some respects of foreclosures in many respects. Um, <clears throat> there's the whole, uh, in the whole millennial generation, what's getting, str- they're, they're, they're getting into their prime buying years, which I think is helping to make that a strong, healthy 
part of the market. Uh, inventories are low. There's a bunch of things that are healthy and some things that aren't healthy. But I, I think next year is going to be a doozy, just like not directly because of real estate, but I think the election's happening. No matter who gets elected, there's going to be some wacky stuff happening after that. COVID is not done. Like they're coming out with even more uh, stimulus that's going to come in. We'll have somewhere around $4 trillion in extra fake money, essentially, out there in the economy that's going to start getting spent. And once that $1 gets spent, it, it, it adds 7 to $8 to the economy within that first 24 months. So $4 trillion turns into whatever that is, 30 to $40 trillion in extra spending cash out in the market. Um, what happens there, oftentimes inflation happens. Uh, so then interest rates come up with it. There's a bunch of stuff that could happen. That's all conjecture right now. Uh, but what do you guys think, just with the, the information you know and you see, what are you guys preparing for in 2021? And if it's, if it's nothing, if you guys are like, ah, oh, we really don't see much happening, cool. Like, I, I, want, I want to hear perspectives from everything that people are seeing. Yeah, 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 jump down. Um, so let me start off by, by, this is what the conversations that I've been having with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I've been reminded more and more of Jim Rohn's book, Seasons of Life. Mm. And there's a season for everything. Mm-hmm. And I think right now, it's what, what are the Game of Thrones people say? Winter is coming, and, and now is the time to prepare. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I could be totally wrong, and I hope I am. I'm not, I, I'm actually leaning towards the idea that inflation will not happen. Cool. Um, cool. For, for a few different reasons, but. Um, I, at first I thought for sure we were going to have inflation, but I, now I'm leaning that we won't. Mm. Um, but I think the hard times are coming. Um, cause I think a lot of that money is not going to get spent inside the U S like it's portrayed to be a lot of that money is getting sent overseas and all kinds of different stuff. It's getting dispersed and we're so globalized. There's, there's too many manipulatable yep. factors in the, in the global economy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think they'll be able to pad that a little bit, but anyway, on the real estate side, I think that it's, it's, we're, we're getting deep into fall. Um, and so one of the things, again, with the idea of going back to the basics, um, how do we capitalize the most with the least amount of risk and where do those two meet in a place where we're happy with it? Mm. Um, and so for us, we've pretty much moved, um, we're not going to flip any more properties, um, because we don't want to go into any with the intent that we have to sell them quick. Mm. Um, now, so what we've done is everything we did, if we want to cherry pick it out, then we're going to sell it on a, as a lease option. Um, and if somebody comes along with cash, then so be it, we'll sell it today. Mm-hmm. Um, but if not, we're, we're locking up private money that has, they're in on that particular house. They're getting their interest that's drastically more than what the bank's going to pay them. And we make sure that everybody knows, hey, if this thing gets real bad, we may have to hold out a little while, but your checks keep coming because we've structured them right. Mm-hmm. And so that's essentially what we're doing is, is cutting all the risk out and try to capitalize on as much cash coming in as we can cool. and make, making sure in the process, we lock up lots and lots and lots of access to private money. I love it, dude. And, and yeah, we're you know, very, very similar thinking there. I think the biggest thing that people needed to take away from this, especially if you're a real estate investor is exactly what, what Adam mentioned there is start to start to de-risk on your big projects, you know, your flips and things like that. I remember talking with Brad Chandler, um, uh, express home buyers a couple of years ago, he's at carrot camp, I think a year or two ago. And he was talking about, he was starting to de-risk even a couple of years ago. Cause they would do, you know, they would at, at sometimes have 30 to 40 flips going on at any given time. And he would have just, you know, $9 million of cash out there in the streets and flips. And so he was seeing some shifts coming. He started to deleverage that. He took the flips away from Express and he started doing one to two flips himself. This is two years ago. He's probably changed now. But he was doing one to two flips himself. He wouldn't even do them with the company anymore. He would buy them as a, a person from all, on a wholesaler from his own company, take the best ones. And then everything else, they just switched straight up to wholesale. 
Um, and it's really smart what you're doing there because rentals, I mean, I don't think rentals are going to get less popular. They're only going to get more demand. Demand is going to go up there. During the last... In the right state, I do want to throw that in. Yeah, yeah. It's very important rentals in the right states. Those of you that might be in California. Yep. <laughs> that's right dude people are coming out of california left and right i keep talking to people who are moving out of there um it's funny old joe rogan i don't listen to his podcast a lot but i listen to some of them uh he's probably one of the higher profile ones like i'm getting out of california he's moving to texas his studio's up in texas now um dude it's gonna be interesting you know there's there's so many dynamics to it um I even read a report on uh, like San Francisco. Like apparently San Francisco has the exact opposite problem that we have. Yep. We don't have enough inventory on the market. San Francisco people are flooding out because if I don't have to work in an office, I can get paid a hundred thousand dollars a year or two hundred thousand whatever whatever they're making in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't I just move out to Roseburg, Oregon, and like yep. hang out there? And I got as long as I got internet, and I can work from home. What you know? So that's all. That's one of the biggest things I see happening as mm. part of all this is commercials. If it hasn't already, it's it's about to take a Dude. huge, huge hit. That's such a good point. Yeah, commercial office space, and then what what you were mentioning there. I, I want to highlight that a little bit because I've been talking for years about where where I see rural being something that's really really attractive, mm. and I don't think any of us could have predicted the COVID stuff being like a big trigger that's going to make that happen. But exactly what, what, um, what Brent said there, y'all is as soon as COVID hit the, every business had to figure out how to work remotely. And so uh, that trigger forced everyone to figure out how to use Slack and how to re- work remotely. Uh, there's a big company up in Portland that had, I think it's 40 or 50,000 square foot office. They have multiple offices. It might've been Vacasa. Um, but they recently announced just the last couple of weeks that they're now trying to sell that property or, or sublease it out because most of their employees said that they don't want to come back to the office. So they're, they're getting rid of 40,000 square foot of office space, uh, because their employees said they don't want to come back to the office. And, and it's going to make, it's going to make, uh, the, the job market for workers who are willing to work remotely way better. Like for us, which we're already a remote company, we have an office here with maybe a little less than a third of our staff. Uh, Competition is going to get heavier now. So we have to start making sure that we're positioning better. Uh, Is our pay set in the right spot? Uh, Stuff like that. But dude, I I think rural is poised for a a big insurgence over the next 10 years. The remote work part of it, uh, the craziness going on in cities in general, I think people are going to start to to find rural areas for for a, a safe haven. It's going to be interesting. Invest in rural, at least be ready for it. For sure. I agree. So a, a couple more questions for you guys. Um, one, one of the big ones is kind of going back to the real estate roundup. You guys are in there mentoring your students all the time. And leading into whatever shift is going to happen, you mentioned uh, subject to a little bit ago, you mentioned lease option. What are some of those strategies you guys are really focusing in on making sure that your, your saw is sharpened on them, that you're, that you're training your clients on them? Um, what are those strategies that people have to start to adopt in, in not just looking at everything in like a wholesale or a, a retail listing? So I'm not sure that I have a great answer for that. Um, I actually try to do the opposite of what most people do before an appointment. Mm-hmm. Most people try to figure out a strategy before they even walk in. Um, I don't. Mm-hmm. I like to walk in not knowing anything, find out as much information as I can, and then just figure out what makes a deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that I'm comfortable with us doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like perfect example. There's a, a we got we got two sub two contracts on Monday. Um, one of them I was going to do a lease option on. The other one we were going to do a sub two flip. And the sub two flip, uh, it was a lady. Her aunt passed away. She inherited the house. It's a, I mean, it's it's a wreck. Mm-hmm. Um, it needs thirty five grand in, in rehab, which that's Mississippi numbers. All right, for all you high dollar folks out there that's possible rehab for us um but you know 1600 square foot house we're gonna spend 35 grand rehabbing it and for her they were at a point where all of the estate money the last payment they were able to make for the house was last month oh wow Hmm. so starting in september 
that payment is not going to get made if, if we don't buy the house, which means that they would go away with nothing and whatever else they thought they might have access to later, that default judgment's going to get it. Mm. And so we were able to, to structure it. And I said, look, if it's an all cash deal and I got to write you a check and fix it up and do this, I can't do it. And I definitely can't give you anything. I said, but I can looking at the numbers, if you'll let me just make the payments till I sell it, I'm sure your aunt won't mind. Mm -hmm. Right. Let's be honest. Your aunt's not going to care. Let me make the payment for until I get this sold and and let it become a home for the next family. Mm. And I'll write you a check for $3,000 the day I buy it. I'll fix it up. And when I sell it, the bank will be the first one to get their check and I'll Mm. get whatever's left. Mm. And they were thrilled. And they said, wow, we've talked to several people and nobody has told us even that they could do anything. Mm-hmm. And then the next one, I mean, it was, it was, it was scary fast how it happened, but we went in and I just asked the guy, I said, what are you trying to accomplish? And he said, I just want to get out from under it. I said, what do you owe? He said, 85. I said, are your payments correct? No. How far behind are they? Two months. I'm catching them up Friday. How much are you paying to catch him up? 1200 bucks. I said, well, what if I take over your notes? Because it worked very well, right? His notes, 700 a month. It's a $1,200 a month rental. Um, he owes 85. It needs less than 10 in work. And it's a $120,000, $125,000 house. Yeah. On a cash deal, that doesn't work at all. Yeah. Um, but as a rental or a, a lease option or whatever, it works great. So I said, look, I'll buy it but let me just make your payment for you hmm. and I'll reimburse you 1500 bucks at closing for those two payments you just caught up. Oh, I gotcha. Right. And he said, well, um, no, I don't, I don't really need anything. And I said, no, look, don't negotiate against yourself too hard because <laughs> I will give up fast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I said, at least let me give you something because unless I just miss something here, I can do that. And I, and I'm, I think that's fair for both of us. Mm. And he said, you know, and you can tell like whole demeanor changed. Yep. And he said, just tell me what I need to do. You're exactly what I've been, been waiting for. Mm. And I, I thought, you know, after talking to you on the phone that first time, uh, I don't really remember what I said, but he said, after talking to you on the phone that first time, I thought you were going to show up in a suit and throw around a lot of fancy terms. Yep. And I said, man, that's not me. I graduated from Brooklyn right down the street. And he goes, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I, I want to highlight this in a big way because especially if you're a real estate agent listening to this as an example where um, <clears throat> a lot of agents, if not most of the agents that we know, we have a lot of clients who are agents. So I, I don't want to disparage that at all. I'm not trying to do that. But a lot of agents are trying to look at everything as in why would a seller ever want to sell their property for less than what they feel it's worth. And then they feel on the other side of it, well, that investor must be taken advantage of them because they're just not educated on the strategies or the situations that those sellers are in. And if you look at that deal, that that's a deal that could not have happened through the traditional market. So what would have happened? The guy would have been foreclosed on. It'd be sitting there with no one living in it for months or years. Uh, that guy would have to go figure something out and have no money in his pocket. The bank is now going to have to try to figure out, out what to do with it. Okay. And so there'd be a property that would devalue the rest of the neighborhood because it's going to go va- vacant for months or years. This dude would have been out, hit, hit, hit on his credit and the bank's stuck with the property. And an agent didn't get in a commission on it still, right? Mm-hmm. But in, in this way now, uh, you're able to help the seller they actually have money in their pocket, no hit on their, on their credit. The bank is getting fully fulfilled on what the promise was to pay. You're coming in there, making it creative, turning a transaction that couldn't go retail or a cash offer and making it work. You're able to profit from it. And you guys get an end, an end person in it who's going to take care of the property, going to maintain it, going to make sure to, to maintain values in the neighborhood. Everybody wins. So if you're a real estate agent listening to this, you need to be partnering with guys like this, where if someone comes to you saying, I need to sell and you look at it and you go, well, I can't sell this unless these repairs happen. And I definitely can't do it this fast because you're behind on payments or whatever other scenario there is. Give Adam, give Brent a call and say, Hey, I've got this thing that I can't do anything with, but you guys might be able to, and then find some sort of way to work with them as part of your business model. 
And I was going to say too, I, I know I, I only talked about those two strategies, but the, the, the point I wanted to make there too, with regard to what strategies to learn mm-hmm. and it, the strategy that is best is the one that works for that seller. Mm-hmm. Right. So like it, talking about realtors, there's a lot of older folks that are offloading their rental properties right mm-hmm. now. The rental properties they've been depreciating over the last 30 years. Yep. If they sell it for cash instead of owner financing and doing a, a publication 537, right? People always say, no, nobody wants to owner finance. Some of those sellers in that situation, that could make hundreds of thousands of dollars difference for them over time. Mm. And if they do it that way and take that extra money, take the owner financing, the tax breaks and all that, it can still be an even better incentive for the buyer to buy that you had to go to the bank. Dude. It's just countless stuff. That, that, that's such a good point. My, my first ever property I bought was that same scenario. It was a retired person who was offloading their properties. They didn't want to have to deal with going over there to fix stuff anymore. And his net cash flow on it was, you know, X, X number, whatever it was. And he owner financed 164. I bought it for 174. So I just needed to come up with 10. And this is when I, when I was 21 years old. So these deals happen all the time. This is in 2004, a great market. He could have sold it for more cash probably, but he didn't want to have to deal with the capital gains tax on it and and increasing his whole uh, income level up a tax bracket. And instead he's like, man, I'd be amazingly, amazingly happy if I could just make pretty much what I make now, just not have to deal with any of the property at all. I just get a check every month. I don't have to deal with tenants, toilets, nothing. And it worked great for everybody. So guys, this is going to be crazy important, especially in this next cycle. I think when, when a market is going up, 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 and, and uh, the value of a home is increasing month over month, it's easy to make those transactions that are marginal work. Um, it's easy to make that happen. Uh, it's easy to sell something retail when interest rates are crazy, crazy low. And so what's going to happen if interest rates go up or um, you know, situations happen where buyers aren't able to buy as well, um, and or there's a lot more sellers in situations like that guy was in, that's where you guys come in and get really creative with those deals. Um, really build on your carrot website. I was talking to Pace Morby uh, the other day. He was up here in Oregon and he mainly uses carrot for his rent to own leads. He's like, we bring in so many rent to own leads on the carrot rent to own lead website. We take those because we do so many subject to deals over here. And he's doing 10 to 30 deals a month. They do so many subject twos over here. They have a huge amount of leads on the rent to own list for, for, for Phoenix. For Phoenix. And then they start to pair those up. It's like, all right, I got a sub two. Now let's plug in a rent to own, plug in a rent to own, plug in a rent to own all day long, um, following your local guidelines and rules and laws. But um, I'm so excited about what you guys are doing there, uh, big time. Adam, you're writing a book. Uh, once you kind of let people know, I'm sure some of these strategies will be in it. It's coming out soon. Uh, but uh, what, are you, what are you writing the book on and what made you want to go through the pain, the excruciating pain of writing a book? Well, I'll tell you, this has been fun because I'm not actually writing it. Mm-hmm. I'm just organizing it with cool. stuff that we've already done. Mm. Um, and essentially, so obviously you guys have the same culture. That's, I think that's a big reason why we hit it off so well and stay connected like we yeah. have. Um, we really do love to help people right? Like we, we have to put on our own oxygen mask, right? We've all been on that flight. But once we put ours on, we love to help other people put theirs on. Mm. Um, we do the real estate roundup. We do the, you know, we have the YouTube channel. We put a lot of good stuff out and then we have a mentorship program, but we realize that, that maybe that doesn't do it for everybody. Um, so one of the things that we decided to do is we're going to take everything from the mentorship program and I'm going to break it down into one chapter at a time, how to start, get traction and close deals Cool. all in one spot. And then that resource will be a good summary of the entire process. And then depending on which path you choose within that process and there's, there's directions in there, Mm-hmm. Uh, but they can have links that will take them to additional, more specific information on that particular thing they want to find out more about. 
I love it. I love it. And we're, I, I'm so grateful we get to be a part of it. I'm, I'm writing the forward, which I have not gotten you yet, but I will give it to you by Monday. I'm writing the forward on that Adrian's going to be a part of it. And so we're, we're crazy excited about that, man. And, and that, that's something I think that um, most people, like most people, at least, at least ambitious people, uh, they've got a book inside of them and most people don't let it out. And so I'm excited for you to get this first one out. And it'd be really cool, man, someday to, to have a book come out of both of you guys where it's like, it's, you know, from those experiences that you've had. And, um, man, I've got, I think you guys have multiple books in you, which is going to be really, really fun. I love it. Um, and dude, one last thing over here, deal belt. So Brent, you're wearing the deal belt, deal belt t-shirt. Uh, we talked a little bit about it. I think in the last, last podcast that you're working on something, but you're frighteningly close now to, to get letting some out in the wild that people can, can use. What, what, it, what is deal? Frighteningly is definitely a good word. That's right. This is whole new territory for me. I wasn't there yet until he used that particular word. And now it just got planted a little steam. I'm kind of thinking, I kind of give you the background and the story on it and just kind of where it came from. Uh, obviously for those that know us, know Adam, that's not what we would call a techie. Um, so I came in with, you know, kind of coming from my own business in South Carolina, having some systems and people in place to come in and meeting Adam, who's, you know, there's no real, I mean, there's a system, but it's his system. That's not anything that you can really scale on a, on a, on a big level. So I come in, I'm like, there's no way I'm, I'm going to be able to teach Adam code for that. There's just, there's, I mean, I can, I barely understand it and barely have the time to want to understand it. And I always hated it. Um, I'm like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. So uh, I, we found a more simple CRM, which we love. And everything's awesome. But in the back of my head, I, I've always been wanting to figure out something like if I was just, you know, solo and I was just jumping into this, what's something I can use? It's easy, affordable, and gives me everything I need right in front of me without a bunch of stuff you know. Right. So the whole purpose of it is most of the time, especially a lot of mentorship students we talk to, their biggest hurdle is like, well, what do I do with all these leads? How do I keep track of it? How do I manage all of this? So what I wanted to do is just kind of build a database management system that helps you stay focused. And essentially, it's, it's no different. You'll be able to come in, you'll get credit level data for we're going to sell it for 10 cents a record. So we're selling it at cost. Uh, so we're going to cut out that because you're part, you're going to pay a membership fee. So you'll get credit level data for 10 cents a record, uh, which is stupid expensive, by the way, to buy all that data up front. Yep. Uh, it's not cheap. Um, so we're taking some big gambles on that, but you know, I think it's going to work out. Then automatically one of the biggest headaches most people face is that, they're tired. Like, I hate having to send a list to my VA for them to format it, to then send it back to me, to then get it skip traced or whatever the case may be. All these formats are crazy. So you can upload any list from any platform that I know of. And that's as we grow and, and more people start suggesting more resources, we can, we can create that. But you just upload your list without ever having to filter it. It will do it automatically for you while at the same time allow you to tag those lists as, you know, a foreclosure list or a tax delinquent list or eviction list or whatever. What it's going to show you is that it's going to manage that database. And every time I upload a list, it's storing it and then recognizing any duplicates. Mm. So if I got somebody, so it's list stacking, right? So we're going to call it, we call it skip stacking. So yep. We're skipping and stacking at the same time. It'll immediately identify any properties that are already in your database, already skipped. So you're not getting charged for that again. And then it'll, you'll have what I call two-star properties, three-star properties, four-star properties and beyond, right? So you'll just have a quick list. Like, okay, here's all my two, three, four star properties. These are the ones I really want to hyper focus on. Mm. And then I can record all my notes, my my conversations, all that stuff inside of their profile. Uh, and then schedule a follow-up. And every day when I come to my uh, computer, I just hit my follow-up tab and it's going to give me all the notes for everybody that I need to talk to that day, mm. every conversation we've ever had. Just basic stuff, simple yep. things. But it helps you hyper focus because we all know that sales usually don't happen on the first phone call. Right? Yeah. It takes four, five, six, seven. Heck, one of my mentorship students just did a thirty thousand dollar deal, and he documented the whole thing. It was fifteen phone calls. Hmm. He had fifteen different conversations with this person. But that's yeah. how you get thirty thousand dollar deals. Yep, dude. So is is this is Deal Bell going to be something that works in conjunction with your CRM? Is it replacement for it? I um, mean, then when you mentioned follow up. Um, and this is just me wanting to learn more about the product too, you know, cause, uh, 
could be an amazing resource for so many of our customers. Uh, so on the follow-up side, is there any follow-up built in or it's more based on triggers? Hey, these are things you want to follow up on and then you can do that follow-up elsewhere. Can I, how's it, how's it work? Yeah. Well, so yeah, so there, there will be a phone aspect, a text aspect, a mail and email aspect built into it. Right? So there's going to be multiple phases, but essentially what will happen is like I'm talking to somebody after the conversation, I'll put in our notes. When I come back to it and I schedule, okay, I need to call this person in two weeks. We said we're talk on this day or this time, or I just know I need to follow up this person. And so they're not that motivated, but we'll call them in six months and see where they're at. Yep. I'm just going to set it for six months as a reminder. And then whenever I get to show up six months later and I'm on my follow-up screen, it's only showing me the task at hand for that day. So, oh, you have this person. So when I click on that profile, I'll see all of our previous phone recordings, any emails, any uh, text conversations, mm -hmm. any mail that I sent, what day it was delivered, all that stuff will be automatically just synced in. I don't want it to go out automatically for you because yep. you need to get into the habit of sitting down Okay, what am I? What who do I need to talk to today? And then I'm talking to those people, and I can at least recall all the information that we covered on all the previous phone calls, or email, or text, and everything else, right there in front of me. Gotcha. It's, a, it's essentially a really awesome techie way to do stuff the way that I used to, yeah. which was I had a calendar that I would write out. Here's what I got to do today, mm -hmm. and that's all I looked at. I didn't flip through, what am I doing tomorrow? What am I doing the next day? What about this? What about that? It was, here's what's today. This is what I need. Gotcha. I love it. Well, guys, I'm, I'm, I'm so pumped, pumped for you. First of all, I mean, you're getting to dive into the software world, which, which, uh, it, it's, it's different. Like I, I love it. I, I love it. I love, love, love it. But it's definitely a, a whole different ball game when you're coming from being a non-techie, which I'm not. Um, I don't know anything about coding, nothing like that to, to then working on the tech, the tech side of it. So uh, you guys are going to learn so much. I'm excited about it. Cause you guys are solving a real problem. Like that's the cool thing is it's a real problem that a lot of people are having. You're going to save people tens and tens of thousands of hours, hundreds of thousands of hours collectively. Uh, so they can invest that time better into their business, their families, things that they want to do. So I'm excited for you guys for the book launch deal bell, um, for continuing to crush it with carrot and uh, all kinds of other stuff. So uh, guys, I appreciate you for hopping on here in a big way. Hopefully we can connect in person again sometime, sometime soon. And uh, thank you guys for hopping on. Any parting words for, for the CareCast audience um, uh, as, as we go today? I would say, you know, if you, if you really want to understand like how I'm getting leads to Carrot, like dive into y'all's trainings, y'all's advanced marketer platform, uh, I tell everybody all the time, there's two things that I signed up for when I first got started in this business that I still have today. That's CallRail and Carrot. Mm. Uh, and I, you guys have just built it. Like, it, it makes it easy for me to not have to think about it. I set it, forget it. And my VA, like I was telling you, is like, just by posting those blog posts that you guys spend all your time, I don't know who you hire to write those things, but they do a really good job and it's awesome. But like just posting, scheduling those blog posts out for every single week has has started to rank my website so much better. We're getting a lot more leads that way. And then something I caught myself, myself doing because I took some of your advice on your daily task list, right? Your family, your, your five Fs or whatever. Those are a part of what I, my 12 daily tasks. Mm -hmm. And what those are is that I, I figure out four things for every day that I need to get done from work. Mm -hmm. Only I can do. And I started writing those down and I realized a lot of things that I was repeating that somebody else should be doing, right? Mm -hmm. And that's part of my job in this business uh, on this side. What I really love doing is, is automating things, delegating things or eliminating things mm. because I, I made a big post the other day about I quit real estate or whatever. I don't know if everybody I got saw that. that. But like, yeah. You know, I, yes, I, you know, I'm 90% out of our day to day activities uh, because I know Adam's doing his job. Our, our team's doing their job. Every time I put my head in, I'm usually just getting in the way. Uh, which frees me up to focus more on our education, focus on deal bell because Lord knows I'm going to need it. Um, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. I'm going to definitely lean on you some. Uh, Dude, hit me up. This thing gets, gets kicked off and going next month. Um, I think the biggest thing is just reminding everybody that Zig Ziglar really did know what he was talking about and that it's not outdated advice that if you help enough people get what they want, mm. you can have everything you want. And I know everybody spouts this stuff out 
It's cliche. So cliche. So cliche. But I'm telling you, go look through the roundup at all of the people who come in and they say, wow, I just started focusing on helping people the right way in a way that made sense for me. And all of these problems I thought I had started going away. Dude. And it's crazy how it works, but it just does. Dude, there's, there, there's a quote I heard years and years ago, and it always pops on my mind that things are cliche because they're true. And so every, every time you hear something, guys, that pops up, that's like, oh, that's so cliche. It's because it's true. So like, you should probably actually take that advice and go do it. So y'all, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the heck out of you guys hopping on here once again. Uh, it won't be the last. We already talked about getting uh, Adam and his dad on here, Leon, uh, to talk about creative finance, to talk about all the creative ways to structure deals, to take what we had already started on this episode and go way deeper on a future one, uh, probably shortly after the book comes out. So we'll be able to talk about the book then as well and get that in your guys' hands. But thank you guys for being a good. You sure you have a whiteboard in the background for that one. Oh, dude, I've I've got my I'll have my whiteboard for sure, and hopefully you guys will have yours. But I'm I'm excited about it, guys. Make sure you've subscribed to the Carrot Cast on YouTube and. Uh, on Apple Podcasts because you'll be the first to get all these episodes. We're going to do a book giveaway on that one. And the books run out really, really fast. Uh, we give away uh, X amount of books for taking a certain action. They go out really fast and it always goes to the people who are subscribed to the podcast because they get access to the podcast before we actually email it out by a whole week. And so subscribe, give a, give a rating review uh, on how much you enjoyed this episode or other ones. So Adam, Brent, appreciate you guys as always. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.